Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Oh, thank absolute fuck for that. Um... Another three points on the board. Lovely jubbly. Made pretty light work of Fulham for most of the game, I thought. Obviously, we've had that horrible, 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 nervy last sort of few minutes after Mitrovic's goal. But for the most part, absolutely fantastic performance today. Exactly the sort of performance we wanted to see after that West Ham game in midweek. Um, Wasn't nice, wasn't pretty in midweek, that is. But today... I thought completely opposite. We looked, it, it was more reminiscent of the first game against Southampton. We were in control. We were passing the ball about nicely. It was our game to lose. Um, we should have been, you know, I, I think we should have. To me, I was saying to Charlotte as we were watching it, like that was like a 4 0 Tottenham uh, result, that one. Um, you can see why Kane's goal in the first half got, well, first, well, yeah, it was the first half, wasn't it? Got chalked off. He was offside, really, wasn't he? Sonny's ball through to him. Um, but I've just got to say, overall, the control we have in the game with Romero being back and also adding Longley to that, he wasn't really tested a lot defensively, um, Longley. But when he was on the ball, the few times he was kind of going forwards, it just oh, it was just so good. It was so good to see a player there that's decent on the ball that could read the game, had the vision to kind of pick a decent pass and to also just kind of control the tempo from deep like that. Um, it's not it's not a dig out of Ben Davies. I, I love Ben Davies. I think he's had a really good season. Um, I think he's dogged. I think he plays for the shirt, all that type of stuff. But, you know, I think any of us are going to be lying if we say he's a particularly kind of brilliant player or anything like that. But long later day... Um, Look brilliant. I'm, you know, it's a long way to go. It's one, it's one performance, and it's one performance against Fulham. Who, if I'm going to be totally honest, from what we'd seen of them so far this year, I think we were all expecting a bit more of a challenge than that, right? Uh, maybe I'm just speaking for myself here, but the Fulham we've seen for most of the season have been really quite decent, and I think they they partly didn't show up today. But I think it's more. I think it, to be honest, I think it's more testament to the way we played. Um, I think Spurs were really at it today. I think there was a point to prove there. I think they must have known that it wasn't good enough against West Ham. Look, all the, all that we hear from Antonio Conte um, constantly, anytime he's asked, uh, you know, about games, about what what it takes to to be a real contender in this league, is that wins are everything. Every single year, you saw Kulisevsky's interview not too long ago when he was talking about. The mentality that Conte is drumming into them is that he just wants to win. He wants to win. These sort of people, right, in in real life, in day-to-day situations, right, I can imagine these people are the most tedious, boring people. The sort of people that, if you're playing cards or just having a little sort of, you know, 
piss about on holiday, people sort of throwing you know, basketballs into a hoop or something. They're the sort of people that get really competitive. The sort of people that when you're playing kind of even five a side will try and say that a goal was offside or something like that. Do you know what I mean? The ones that will be, be like shouting at people and squaring up to them, this kind of competitive, weird edge and stuff. Don't like it in day-to-day life, but I like it when I'm watching my team play football. Um, you want the team to be competitive, obviously. It's a competition. Goes without saying, nice insight, Jack. Um, why are you listening to this again? Anybody? Dunno. But Tottenham, it, it's it's a different mentality, right? It's different. And it, I think that even when with Mitrovic's goal, yep, okay, normally you start to get a well not normally. I mean I was getting a fucking you know, what is it you call it? squeaky bum. Squeaky bum time. But they uh they didn't really capitalise on it. And I think that's partly because again, Tottenham it was as as it was when Southampton scored against us on the first game of the season, I just thought we didn't get rattled by it. We didn't play into what Fulham wanted us to do. We just carried about doing our game. We carried about doing the the same thing that we'd been doing for the whole the whole match that had seen us kind of absolutely dominate possession, dominate the ball. I mean, I know there's been a lot of talk this week about Tottenham being the sort of player, the sort of team at least, or Conte being the sort of manager that doesn't like his team to have the ball and that sort of stuff. That's that's the discourse, isn't it? Um, but I thought we'd played. We just we I just thought we absolutely dominated them today. I thought we were brilliant. Having Ben Tanko back has been great. You know, I was sort of calling for him to go the other day, but the fuck do I know? You know, I don't know. It's hard. It's it's just hard, isn't it? I, I guess. Game by game, some games just don't work out for certain players. But I think overall, you know, you see that with Ben Tanko, just the way he kind of dictates dictates the flow of play and dictates the tempo is 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 pretty brilliant. Um, but yeah, still, Arsenal made. If we if we're talking about this kind of Arsenal comparison, because we're going to do it, we're going to do it. Of course, of course, when Arsenal come good, they're going to live rent free in our heads. They're going to live rent free in my head. I grew up. My my kind of years growing up were tormented by Arsenal. Arsenal being the best, or at least one of the best teams in Europe. Taking our club captain on a free transfer, winning the league at our stadium. It's awful. It's awful. It's like, in in a footballing sense, it's trauma. <laughs> but they... Uh, they made hard work at that Fulham game. So for all the all the kind of plaudits and everything that are getting chucked their way, we looked far more comfortable in that game. And it feels it feels like we're going, we're starting to go up through the gears, you know. And as I said after the West Ham game, it, I didn't want to come across negative. And I don't think I did. I, I had a bit of feedback from people and they didn't really feel like it was particularly negative. Um, like I said, you know, I was just a bit tired and I've been doing deadlifts, bro. Um, but... We uh we were just professional in that. We were good and Fulham are, Fulham are a good side. One of the other kind of bits of the the discourse this week has been that there aren't really any easy games in the Premier League. What is it? How many how much Premier League teams spent this transfer window? One point nine billion or something? Something ludicrous. Maybe I've gotten that wrong. Alright, I'm just gonna have a quick look at that. I'm gonna fact check myself now. Premier League transfer spending twenty summer twenty twenty two. Uh, how much has it been? Yeah, one point one point nine billion pounds. One point nine billion pounds have been spent. You've even seen teams like Nottingham Forest 
chuck, you know, we've all seen all the memes, right? We've seen all the, is this Nottingham Forest team and it's whatever, a picture of a prison somewhere, everybody in red shirts and stuff. I, you know, it's just, <laughs> it's just it, it's it's mad. It's completely skewed. And we're, we're seeing already kind of Liverpool one week beating Bournemouth 9-0 and struggling to get one over the line against Everton today, who they routinely beat. Um I mean, Liverpool haven't looked really that good at all all season. Liverpool drew away at this lot at Fulham. Um, but they're still Liverpool. I still think they're a pretty scary side. Do you know what, though? I'm going to say. And obviously, my predictions on strikers this year for going by Erling Haaland haven't really worked out that well. Although, you know, for all my chat, <laughs> for all my chat about Erling Haaland saying ahead of the season, saying I thought he was going to flop. I have had him as my captain of my fantasy team from the very start of the season. So, you know, that's me uh, That's me backing up my words, isn't it? But, yeah, uh, Darwin Nunes. Uh, eh, eh. Luis Diaz is brilliant. He's a really good player. But Darwin Nunes, I'm not sold. I'm not sold. Don't think he seems that smart a player. But we're, fuck, fuck Liverpool. We're not here to talk about that today. We're here to talk about Tottenham Hotspur playing against Fulham. Just the overall picture of it is it's another three points. It's another three points to Tottenham. We're still unbeaten in the league. We're going up through the gears. We've played Stamford Bridge and we've played... I keep forgetting what the fuck it's called. City of London or the Olympic Dome or whatever the fuck you want to call that shithole at West Ham playing now. We've played two of our hardest away fixtures already. Haven't lost either of them. It's going good. It is going good, and I mean, it it wasn't. It was horrible after that West Ham game. It really was. Um, but I think the the perspective has been kind of dealt today in that it's another tricky. Everyone, ever like everyone, all of you, and don't don't tell me, don't any of you tell me, don't tweet me or anything saying that you weren't worried about this game. One hundred percent, and that's science, right? One hundred percent of Spurs fans going into this game were worried. They thought Fulham were going to turn up. Dan Kilpatrick, who mugged me off in a Twitter live space thing the other day, he was tweeting before the game saying, you know, this is the sort of game where Spurs get humbled or whatever. (laughs) What do the mainstream media know? We've had enough of these so-called experts, haven't we? Yeah. What do you know, mate? Um, We, uh, love you really, Dan. Um, we do, we got the job done. It's cool, calm, professional. It's just it's it's quite it's quite funny seeing Spurs being this team, because through all the kind of wobbles from the fans and all this type of stuff, really, I've not really seen Spurs kind of give anything less than a professional performance. I mean, even that West Ham game, you know, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't great, but everyone was doing their jobs pretty well. Um, they weren't doing their jobs brilliantly or exceptionally, and that's why we didn't maybe get the result that we were hoping for. But they did the job well, and I think our kind of, I think the important thing is, and I think I guess this is kind of what a manager like Conte and his coaching can bring to a team is it's not so much about, and it's definitely about raising your ceiling. Don't get me wrong; I'm not I'm not trying to galaxy brain this. But our ceiling is pretty high. You know, when Spurs are flying, we're brilliant. We are good and we know that. We haven't had to doubt that for the past few years. Ever since kind of 
Pochettino, even before Pochettino, really. Look at the Redknapp years. Look at the Yol years. When Spurs are good, they're really fucking good. Um, and our goodness, if you like, has started to become more consistent. But one of the things that we've always tripped up on is these type of fixtures, is drawing games like this. Not even so much losing games like this Fulham game, just getting irritating draws and irritating losses as well. But with the type of coaching, to my point, maybe a manager like Antonio Conte, he already knows that really on our day we can be brilliant. Any team that's got Son, Kane, Kulisevsky, Richarlison is going to be good. It's going to be great if if the kind of the you know things go our way. Where I think a manager like him is going to come in and look at is is that mentality that we see it we see it from all over the place. We see it from rival fans. We see it from players. You know, Kilini said it. We know the history of this club. Conte is Conte's going to know that Conte's been in a title race against us. He's going to know the thing that the the way in which you get at Tottenham is that. They will always, they will always disappoint. Ultimately, in these in these kind of games, you can always get at them. You can get at Tottenham. And so far, I feel like one of the main things he's instilled in this team is that you can't get at us as easily. Um, and it might be early days. I think we we're very quick to point out who Arsenal have played. Um. Say they've had easy games. I mean, I don't know how much I buy. I think their their run has been favourable, but they started the season away at Crystal Palace. It's not an easy game. It isn't. It's not an easy game. But I, I, I get the point. You know, they haven't played Chelsea away. They haven't played a Liverpool or a City or anyone like that. It's going to be interesting to see how they do against Manchester United. But a lot of these games... We we've been talking about it previously. You know, we're turning losses into wins. Southampton at home, Wolves at home, Chelsea away, um, even on the other day, West Ham away. You know, these are all points that we didn't get last time. Maybe Conte's first job is raising raising our floor, getting that kind of that basement level of Tottenham to be better than it is before he even worries about how are we going to turn up to. City or Liverpool and stuff. It's all part of it. It's not as binary as this. Um, but I'm sure you can get the point I'm trying to make is that he's making Tottenham a harder team to beat. That, that's one thing I'll give him. That's, you know, we we're sort of floating some ideas about is this a bit Mourinho, Mourinho light or whatever. It's not because under Mourinho, we weren't, we weren't actually that hard to, to beat really. It seemed to be more of a, almost just like a physical thing. We were just sticking bodies back. Um, just basically, it was like it was like the it was like a bizarro version of Redknapp's attacking philosophy of just fucking run around a bit. Mourinho seemed to be just sit around in the box and fucking, you know, attack the ball a bit. It seems to be much more structured what it is that we're doing under Conte. The team seems to be much more of a of a unit. Everything's kind of going, everything's moving in tandem. People are working for each other. There's players in space. Most of the time, um, it was just it was a really good performance today. It was a really really good performance, and like I say, that's what we want to see. We want to see that the 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 baseline Tottenham improve because we know we we've seen it. We won at the fucking Etihad last year. We went away to Anfield last year and should have won that game. We can be brilliant on our day. We know that. Where we've always had to get better is in these ugly games. 
win ugly, win these ugly, horrible games. We did it against Wolves. This wasn't an ugly game. We got it over the line. It it, it got ugly and then it should have been toward the end. But we 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 dominated this in what was supposed to be a tricky game. Hugo Lloris, um, not Norfolk. I, I think people, well, people were saying I let him off the hook a bit after West Ham. Maybe I did. Uh, I, I felt like I highlighted the fact that he was sort of playing silly buggers around the box a bit. A lot of kind of short passing about when, you know, you've got Antonio hovering about. Um, maybe he could have done better. Apparently the, the throw in, even though it was a foul throw. And yeah, I think we can. Funnily enough, um, Adam Powley today tweeted about the fact that it's just, it's so, this isn't verbatim, but it's just so karmic. It's so obviously Tottenham that, just literally the match after we should have been given a foul throw. <laughs> we get we are we are you know whistled for a foul throw in this game. Um after everybody says oh foul throws aren't a thing anymore. Um but yeah apparently Larice could have done better for that. Gave the ball away. Um but that's last game, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, sorry to sorry to anybody that was offended by me not going harder on Larice. I thought he was I thought he was fine today. Thought he was good again. Made uh made a really good save, I thought, from after Mitrovic had scored, he had that a sort of similar opportunity, hit one, took a nasty deflection, and Lloris he made a decent save. I'll be honest, the sort of save I'd expect a keeper of his caliber to make, but we do see keepers get caught out by those kind of high looping, dipping type chances. Um Good game. Good game for Maurice. Longley. Uh, wow. I touched on it at the start. Um, he wasn't really challenged, was he, defensively? We didn't We didn't see his defensive credentials really fully on show. I saw a couple of people say that he looked pretty press resistant. Um, to be honest, not really in my wheelhouse to sort of pick that one apart too much. It just seemed to me that he was just very, very calm, very composed on the football. The type of player that it was the kind of the blue sky version of Longley that we'd heard about, right? Because we'd seen, we'd had all the horror stories of his time at Barcelona, all the stuff that he didn't do well. Um, but it seemed to be that in this game, we were getting the good side of Longley. Where was it? He was at Sevilla, wasn't it, that he was at before? And the picture we'd had painted of us of long uh the severe long lay was that this was a ball playing center back this was a kind of rangy good footballer somebody that was great with a ball at his feet can start can build attack from from deep from that position and that's really what we got today um it was it was really nice and he was just so calm and it just added such assurance to our defence and I don't completely want to mug off Ben Davies because we haven't we haven't seen Longley in the trenches yet right we haven't we haven't seen him in an ugly game we've seen Davis in those we've seen Davis away at Anfield where he was brilliant you know we've we've all seen the kind of block I think it was on Luis Diaz or was it against no it was against Salah wasn't it it was against Salah um so Ben Davis is a dogged player uh but maybe, maybe he's better for those type of games. Maybe long lay in these sort of games where we want to dominate possession, we want to dominate our opposition and we are expected to do so. Maybe you need that kind of composure that somebody like Longley brings to the team. But what a debut. Um, and uh, yeah, brilliant. What an addition. And let's just hope uh, one of the nightmare scenarios that's been spelled out, let's just hope that he doesn't become a player that 
actually is really really good for us and we're kicking ourselves for not having that option to buy um but that's a long way off we don't need to worry about that for now really good performance um and i thought it, it, it having him there doing what he was doing it helped our midfield so much it helped our mid it's not just about him it's about romero being back as well but that midfield too uh it's unfair to really judge them because, and I was, I was digging them out after, I mean, it was Basuma, to be fair, um, Basuma and Hoybier. I wasn't really digging them out. I was just saying it just felt like we weren't really using or our midfield was almost non-existent. But today when you've got a more kind of steady, solid defensive block behind that midfield, it eases that pressure on those two, right? It eases the pressure on the more advanced players to be able to actually influence the attacking third of the pitch as well, to not just have to be completely concerned with dropping back and covering for what's going on behind them because they're concerned or even because they're concerned because they're seeing that we're not managing to keep the ball or we're getting pressed too much and they need to get back and lend a hand. Having Lomley and Romero there, well, it really helped ease the burden for them. And then we saw again, I'll get onto him, but we saw Hoybier start to do his thing again. Um, Eric Dyer, very big of Gareth Southgate. He's been talking about this week that he might he might consider recalling him for the England team. He's England's best centre back at this point. He just is. He is. Antonio Conte has spoken this week about just talking about what an important player. I think he called him one of the Premier League's most important defenders. If that's like a lost in translation thing, if he's essentially saying he's one of the best players, defensive players in the league, you know. <laughs> I don't think Conte's the type of guy to, to throw out kind of platitudes like that unless he means it. I don't think he'd say anything at all. I think he'd just say he's having a good season. I think Eric Dyer's been fantastic. He he had yeah he had a bit of a dud game against Forest. I think yeah I think Forest. I was not particularly impressed with him, but again today, strong in the air, marshaled the defense really well, kept everything organized, was always a presence. He's he's uh, he's and this is something that Conte's brought to the team. His fitness has come on so much. He's not the paciest player, but still, his engine is is pretty brilliant. You know, he keeps oh, Dotty again trying to get out. Gone, Dot. More cat content for the cat lovers there. Um, posted a picture of Dot actually on the uh, just look in the media of the Rule the Roost account. You can see her there. She's a she's a chonky gal. Um, but I love her. It's an interesting story there, but for another day about Dot, about how we came to find her, and it involves Tom Foynes, Tom Hayward, who uh, often speaks on this podcast. But anyway, back to Eric Dyer. From cats to dogs. As you remember that whole cat dog thing? This is when I get told that Dyer is actually a cat defender. Dyer's not a cat, is he? Dyer's a dog. He's got to be a dog, surely. Tell me, at me. Is he a cat or a dog? Either way, he was he was brilliant again today, I thought. Um, I think one of the main things... Dyer's always had the tools, if you like. But he's always been a bit... Actually, this is unfair. I was going to say he's always been a bit all the gear, no idea. But I don't, I don't think that's fair. I think Dyer had a really difficult patch where he couldn't really decide where he wanted to play. Managers couldn't really decide where they wanted to play him. And coupled with that, he had a chronic illness. Um... And if you've ever lived with a chronic illness, and I'm not just trying to make this some kind of like check your privilege thing, I'm just saying 
if you've not ever lived with a chronic illness, it's really hard to fully grasp the impact that can have on your life, on your day-to-day, on your overall well-being, your physical and mental well-being. It's awful. It really is. Um, It's really hard to appreciate. Um, And he's spoken about that. You know, he has spoken about that, the impact it had on him. And maybe we are getting back to seeing the best of Eric Dahl because there was for a while under Pochettino, he was looking like one of the most exciting, young, defensive kind of prospects in the country. I think he's going back to being that. I mean, he's not he's not that young anymore, but he's still... I mean, for a defender, he's relatively young. How old is he? I'm going to say 27. I think he's 27. Let's have a look. Eric Dyer. 28. All right, he's 28 years old. Um, that's all right still for a defender, you know. Um, but yeah, he he's, he's a good player. Good player. Impressive performance again today. Uh, I think Romero... Likes playing alongside him, which is important. I'd still say Romero is our best defender. And it's always good to have a settled, right? Settled kind of centre-back pairing, isn't it? I know we play over three, but they are kind of a pairing in a way. They're sort of a partnership. And I think we've always seen that kind of left centre-back, that what 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 it is that Davis does, he's almost a bit of an auxiliary, an auxiliary left-back. The kind of the way we kind of move about a bit when we're in possession and everything like that. But whatever. Good performance from Eric Dyer. Christian Romero, fantastic performance again. It's just, it was Windy that said it uh, on the extra inch that a lot of the kind of the, the should we say, the poor performance against Forrest and against West Ham, a lot of it comes from Romero. Um, not having him, at least, his absence. I uh, sort of tried to talk about it a bit today with the, the kind of, you know, allowing the sort of midfield to have a sense of being able to go forwards a bit more, not have to get back and dig in as much with the defence, knowing that they've got a player like Romero there. But I think Romero's aggression, even on the ball, the way he pushes forward, and off the ball as well, the way he does, he does move forward because he's got that. He's got the fitness and he's got the speed ultimately to be able to get forwards and get back to play a higher line without us getting caught. One criticism of him, he didn't do very well for Mitrovic's goal at all. He switched off. And that's something that we've spoken about with Romero before. I say we've. I'm talking about the podcast in general when I've done shows with other people. I'm not going full Smeagol here. Oh, relevant, Lord of the Rings. I'll talk about Lord of the Rings at the end. But uh, yeah, I've spoken with other people on this podcast before about Romero and the fact he is still a very young defender. Young defenders make mistakes and they get that stuff out of their system at this age. Um, that's when they kind of, you know, they make their bones, if you like. And he's, uh, he does, he does make mistakes. We saw, remember when he first started playing for us, he was kind of getting beaten in the air a few times. And I think for the most part, he sort of ironed those kind of kinks out of his game. This, yeah, he could have done better. I think he just switched off against Mitrovic. I think he, ultimately, I don't think he gave a player like Mitrovic the respect he deserved. Um, Mitrovic has started this season firing. That goal, his goal against us was Harry Kane-esque. It was almost like Kane's against Rangers in pre-season. It was brilliant. He looks he looks fitter. He looks like he's lost a bit of bulk. Again, I don't think it's fat. I think he's he was a very very muscular guy, and he's still a big he's still a big lad. You know, he's still doing it for the big boys. But he's 
he's definitely trimmed down a bit this season. Um, he looks more focused. He, yeah, and he shouldn't have been given that space. He shouldn't have been given that opportunity. When he sort of sold Romero a bit, it was a pretty lazy-ish kind of ta- attempted tackle in the first place. And then when Mitro had gone past him, he kind of gave up on it. You just, you know, you you got to respect the opponent more, right? Um, that's kind of Romero's thing. He's a, he's a bull, right? Bull of the pampas. Um, but he, he's got to bear in mind that, you know, so are players like Mitrovic. Other people want to win as well. It's great. You get stuck in. You shout at people. All that sort of stuff. But everybody else wants to win too. Um, and I think I think it's just something that you know I'm I'm completely creating a narrative here. But I think you can run away with yourself a bit when you're young and you're getting smoke blown up your ass and you feel invincible. Um, but I back a player like Romero to learn from that. I'm I'm so happy we've got him. I don't want to focus on this being negative. We've just signed him permanently now. Five years with, I think, one of the most exciting young defenders in world football. Uh, I do worry about the thought of somebody like Real Madrid coming in for him, but that's a worry for another day. At the moment, we've we've got him. And it's the start of a new era, isn't it, really, for Tottenham already? We're seeing it. We're, you know, If you think about it, when we signed for Tongan way back when, he was the start. You know, he was one of the first pieces in the puzzle of what ultimately the culmination of it was Pochettino's, let's say, 16, 17, 17, 18 kind of Tottenham team. Vertonghen was one of the main pieces of that. At first, though, he was what he was kind of added to a sort of mishmash squad that wasn't quite there. He was clearly always a good player, but he didn't always get it right. He made the odd mistake from time to time and Maybe that's what Romero is. The the fact of the matter is, though, that Romero is getting added to a much better team than Vertonghen was back then. So, sky's the limit. It's uh, it's fantastic to have him, and I cannot believe... Like I, I've mentioned it before, uh, I, I cannot believe that he was at Juventus. I didn't know this as well. I had no idea. I thought... I didn't realise it was some weird sort of deal we've pulled off here where he was actually on loan at Atalanta and Atalanta bought him from Juventus before they loaned him to us before we bought him but yeah another one that another one that Juventus passed up on fuck knows why they brought in Delict and they've lost Delict now haven't they I think he went on to Bayern Munich Delict was never the same after that Champions League game we broke him sorry we did we broke Delict but we didn't break Romero yet anyway great performance Ryan Sessegnon now you see the funny thing is right I've got a note in my because I've been kind of standing for Ryan Sessegnon from past seasons and into this I'm happier that he kind of got the the place ahead of Reguilon but I actually made a note on my phone is Sessegnon actually shit question mark and I was talking to Phil about this on WhatsApp during the game and it was just something suddenly in my head today I was watching him and I was just like uh, he's starting to piss me off a bit, you know, like, I really like the lad and he's, I think there's a lot there, but also, you know, this isn't, uh, when you've got a player like Perisic on the books, you can only sort of facilitate for so long a player that seems as timid as he does. And it was really starting to irritate me. But- Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Then, as the game went on, he grew into it. He did grow into it. And, you know, I think, all right, he's, he has been out for a couple of games. And I do think... I do think we're getting to the point, right? I don't want to get too like toxic about it. I'm not going to fucking start talking about people needing to man up and all that sort of stuff. But I do think we're getting to a point with Sessignon where you can see, right? You can see he's got so much ability. He just needs to now really, he needs to get out of his own head. He needs to, or else, you know, I don't think he's going to have much more of a Tottenham career. I don't, I don't think somebody like Conte is going to facilitate that forever, is all I mean. We've got a dogie coming uh, next next year. You'd imagine there's going to be a betting in period. If you see what's happening with Spence at the moment, I don't think Sessignon needs to immediately worry about somebody else coming in and taking his place immediately, especially a young player. Um, even though he does sound like he's a really special talent, it sounds like we've we've done another Romero here. We've got another really exciting young player. But... On to Sessignon, he, he ended the game really well. He uh, he was busy. He was a menace. He was actually playing in some teasing kind of good balls towards the end. And we saw, obviously, I mean, it got chalked off. But he played that ball through to Richarlison um, for 3-1 since chalked off. That was good, you know. That was that was kind of a, a bit of a product of his endeavour. We, you know, there was that t- t- opportunity at Forest, which ended up with Richarlison passing it through to Kane, but Kane was fuming, absolutely livid with Sessignon not kind of releasing the ball sooner or releasing it properly. And he just needs to because I I don't doubt for a second that Sessignon has the ability to do that. We can see it every now and again when he kind of gets down the wing, he can float a lovely cross into the box. He's got that. He's got the ability to do that. He's just, He is the one that needs to remember that. He needs to kind of just stop being in his own head so much and just get into it, you know. And one thing I will say that I don't think he does as much now, which I think is a promising sign, is you saw in the first couple of games when he'd make little mistakes, he was always kind of stamping his feet and like shouting at himself and kind of throwing his hands in the air. It's easy for me to say, I get this, you know, I, I get it, you know, man sat podcasting, telling professional footballer how to feel, I get this, but you know what I mean, like, we, we can all, we can, we can critique the gods, right, <laughs> we can, we can watch on at what they're doing, and if you know, you watch enough football, 
even if you did play it as a kid you you just you get it you know we all, we all exist in society we all have our own kind of equivalent of this in our jobs there are just moments when we know you need to snap into action you need to get out of your own head and get into it these are universal truths for anybody for any uh, for any walk of life so you, we don't just need to always have this kind of trite conversation that people aren't allowed to uh to, to try and give advice to a Premier League footballer, but it is still a bit funny. I do get it. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Um, but still, just, Cess lad, just don't be in your own head so much, right? If you are listening, and I'm sure you are, um, you're good. We believe in you. Like, there's a player there. You can see there's a player there. Just kind of remember that. You're, it's the most important thing that you remember that. pierre Milhoybier, uh I mean, you know, I didn't think there'd ever be a time I was saying this, but oh, you know what? Um, I'm going to say it. I think he's been our best player so far this season. I really do. I really, really do. Um, he's. I think he's gone up a level. I think he's he's playing almost at a level that I personally didn't think he was capable of. Um, and again, you know, that's that's a product of not working with somebody, not seeing him on the training pitch day in, day out. And also perhaps just forgetting that he's a young player still himself, respectively. Youngish anyway. He's not a veteran. He's going to be improving at all times. And it's probably silly to think that a player like Hoybier isn't going to improve under the tutelage of Antonio Conte. Antonio Conte improves players. Top coaches improve players. And the base there for Hoybier was pretty solid. I've always said that of Hoybier. I've always said he's got a solid base. He's always going to be a 6 out of 10 player. And my critique of, all, of Hoybier has always been that he's a good player to have for the squad. But if we want to progress, we need to get a better starting option than him. But I don't think that's the case right now. He scored again today. He's probably got no business scoring as much as he is at the moment. Maybe he does. I don't know. I just I don't put him down as a goal scoring player. But... The way in which he's kind of controlling the ball in midfield, his passing has been so much better. His reading of like what the opposition are doing, his breaking of their play, especially against a team like Fulham today, who did come at us. You know, they played or at least tried to play pretty expansively, but we just had their number. You know, and I, I kind of I do, I do admire them for that Fulham in a way. It's, it's it's probably a bit silly, but it's done them quite well so far I mean results would probably say otherwise though wouldn't they that's the thing but they've come and they've tried to play and you you can't play against teams like Spurs you can't you have to devote this part of the thing is right part of the thing that we are probably not giving Spurs enough credit for and I include myself in that when we're talking about games like Wolves we're talking about games like the Forest game is that those teams have pretty much abandoned whatever it is that they want to do not whatever but a lot of what it is that they want to do. They've abandoned their own style. They've abandoned their kind of game plan. Their game plan has become, how do we stop Tottenham? It isn't, let's see our game plan versus theirs, battle of wits, battle of players. Let's see who comes out on top. It's, let's look at what Tottenham do and try our best to stop them. And I get that. That's kind of, that's a legitimate tactic to a degree. I think that's something, and this is a pecking order thing. We do that to Liverpool. We did We did that to Liverpool at Anfield. Klopp fucking hated it. Their fans hated it. But ultimately, we got the measure of them. We knew how to stop Liverpool and we knew how to exploit their system. 
I wouldn't have been complaining if we won at Anfield. We nearly did. We should have done, probably. Um, we didn't, so it doesn't matter. But other teams have been doing that to us. Other teams have been looking at how can we exploit, how can we turn Tottenham's system against itself. Fulham didn't do that so much today, and they paid the price for it. We, the final score is 2-1. We got three points on the board, but it could have just as easily been. Today, like I said at the top, today could have been 4-0. It could have been. And I think it maybe should have been. And maybe this is more something that will catch up with us in the end. Maybe we are being a bit profligate. Is it profligate? I think it's profligate. See, I always do this. I saw a funny tweet the other day um, where it was like, I think they said something like, yeah, profligate, that is the word. But the, the tweet was something like, you always know when somebody who isn't that intelligent reads a lot of books because they use a lot of big words that they don't really know the meaning of. Um, and I was like, yeah, I feel pretty seen by that. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe we don't take our chances as well as we could. Um, maybe that's something we need to work on. But Hoybier took his today. Well worked goal. Brilliant performance from him. I thought he was our man of the match. I did think he was our man of the match today. To be honest, um, Bentancur alongside him was it was a breath of fresh air again. Don't want to dig out Basuma too much. Conte spoke about this midweek. I'm not going to go into Conte's press conference. I, I get that it splits opinion when you talk about this. People will say, oh, you're just getting triggered by Conte. Yeah, and it's much like I was saying last time around. I, I get I get the type of manager that Conte is, but also like, just shut up sometimes, mate. But whatever, you know, whatever. I just did, you know, my main thing is I didn't like the way he spoke about Spence. Didn't like the way he spoke about Spence and continues to do so. Yeah, I get it. You know, some people say, oh, you want to keep a young player hungry. I don't think singling him out all the time is particularly fair. Um, fuck knows. Who knows? But Ben Tanker today, great, great performance. That's that's the guy that we know has had more time with Conte, knows the system more, knows his partner in Hoybier a lot more. Um, one thing I am sort of noticing about Ben Tanker this season, he's, I think he's getting fitter. I think all our players are getting fitter. You know, we keep talking about this. We know what Conte's, the demands Conte places upon his players. And Ben Tucker is one of those players that I think you're really starting to notice a difference in that. I think one of the other things that has been either hammered out of him or he's just kind of started to kind of become aware of is the fact that you don't have... Def, I mean, definitely from when we first signed him to now, he definitely knows you don't get as much time on the ball in the Premier League as you do in the Serie A. Um, not digging out the Serie A. I love the Serie A. I don't buy into all the misconceptions, but the football is different. It's not as high intense. Although, you know, the, the Serie A is actually pretty high intensity. It is. Um, so I'm sort of selling myself, you know, selling myself to the shops here. But he, uh, I do I do think he plays with more intensity now. I don't think he sort of dallies as much in possession. Um, it was another good performance day. Playing, sort of spraying the ball about pretty nicely. His understanding with Hoybier was great, and like I say, I think with those three behind them, they had a, you know they felt pretty pretty liberated. Um, Emerson Royale, he's an interesting one, isn't he, man? He is interesting. He had because he had a he had a good game. He did have a good game. He gets stuck in. He fights pretty hard for the team. I, you know, I still have my reservations about how good he is going forwards. I think that's the main thing. I think since we've seen Perisic on the other side. It's kind of shown me what's possible if you have players of a top, top quality, right? Emerson is really good. I do think he is really good as well. Um, 
but he's not Reese James, is he? And I know a few players are. There's, it's not a fair comparison, but I think it is fair in so much as you know, look at look at the teams kind of above us, right? Trent, Reese James, Kyle Walker, Emerson ain't that, is he? You think about kind of the the attacking threat that those three bring to their respective sides. We don't get that from Emerson. And a, in a system like this, you need it. Um, so I'm still always going to have my concerns about him. But he had a good game. He did have a good game. He's defensively... He's he's a brilliant defender. He is a really... He's a really good defender. He's kind of weirdly good in the air because he's not... I don't think I don't think he's the tallest player. I don't feel like he is. He doesn't look that tall. But maybe he is. Maybe he's sort of deceptively so... He's got a good engine on him. He's very fit. Um, he's again. I think he's a decent footballer. I think he, you know, he technically speaking, he can sort of trap the ball well. Um, he's got a decent enough pass on him. I just think it's more. I think it more lies in his kind of attacking vision uh, and his the speed with which he attacks. Like I don't mean like physically. I don't think he's like slow on the ball he's a pretty quick footballer but I don't think he always reads kind of because I mean those most of the attacking talent we have in our team is exceptional right um and I'm just not sure he's he's on the same page as those players Perisic is and that's when you got Perisic on the pitch it brings out really really kind of it brings into full focus what it is that our team's lacking sometimes or has lacked and that's kind of, I wasn't trying to dig out Sessegnon earlier, but I think maybe that's what's influencing my kind of thoughts on Sessegnon a little bit. But it's not fair, right? Perisic is a veteran. He's been there, done that. When he was first playing under Conte, Conte wasn't happy with him and sent him away for a season. So he's had his sort of, he's had his time to learn and to get better. What we're seeing now is a player at the end of his journey. In Emerson and Sessegnon, we're seeing two players you know, relatively early on into there, so... Let's cut him a bit of slack. It, but this, I think the thing is, this all comes down to with how soon do Tottenham want to win something? How soon do Tottenham need to capitalise on having Harry Kane, Hummin Son, Hugo Lloris, Antonio Conte as our manager, and our players like Emerson holding us back from getting something over the line in the immediate future? If I was going to be harsh, I would say yes. Um, I do think we need someone better if we want to go and win the league perhaps but maybe we don't I don't know it's just me thinking aloud at the end of the day Humming Son it was good to have old Sonny back he uh, he he got he's going to feel like he's cursed or something at the moment man and it's funnily enough Salah had a very similar game at the start of the day where Salah did look a bit better but he just just could not get it over the line just couldn't do it and that's what it was like for Son today but he was dangerous. He was making the sort of son type run runs, the son runs, <laughs> the son runs, um, the son runs that we that he's known for. He was trapping the ball well. He was managing to kind of. He was just. He was a menace to the opposition. He was linking up with Kane. There was that one opportunity, wasn't there, when Kane put him through and he ended up hitting the crossbar. That you're just like, oh, it's just not happening for him. Um, and he looked very disappointed. He looked very dejected to be taken off. But it felt like the right time to take him off. 
he'd had a he'd he'd had a really good game. He had had a really good game. He was at ultimately to me he was adding value to the team. He was he was keeping Fulham occupied. He was keeping Fulham pinned back. It was meaning that we could continue to exert our kind of control in the final third. When someone like Son is firing, that's what we can do. We can be that problem for the opposition. We can stop them from pressing us and from kind of thinking about how they're going to get at Spurs because what they're having to do is contain Hummin Son. They're having to contain Richarlison. They're having to contain Harry Kane. And when you've got Son firing, you've got Son going at them, getting the ball in good positions, putting himself in good positions to receive the ball. It's glorious. It's glorious for the team. Um, and it's good to see him kind of back at it playing. Somebody made the point to me on Twitter when I was kind of digging. I, I did a pretty sort of just churlish tweet about Son and Salah. Did they train with the same guy over summer or whatever? Um, and who was it? Was it Lee? I think it's called. I think it was Lee. Let me just have a quick look because it was a good point. Yeah, Lee Junior. Um, at Lee seventy one Junior. Uh, his and this is his uh, his exact words were: Everyone's giving all types of reasons and excuses for Son and Salah, but no one has mentioned the fact that they're thirty now. The way they play with fast bursts of acceleration and high intensity all game, playing three days for years on end, takes its toll. Yeah, fair point. Absolutely fair point. Maybe it's just taken. They're both senior players now. Um, and especially, like he says, for players that are kind of as... that are so reliant on being physically agile um, as they are. Maybe it's catching up with him a little bit. Slower start to the season, but we f- we forgive Kane for his slow starts to the season. Um, and as other people have said, the, the, the difference is now that before we've had no option but to be patient with Sonny. Um, but now we've got Richarlison. Now we've got Kulisevsky. There's options there. So the pressure is going to be on. Uh, and I, I was sort of saying we should probably drop Son ahead of this game and bring Richarlison in, but he actually took off Kulisevsky instead. I think that was a surprise to most. Uh, I know we're talking about resting players ahead of the Champions League. To me, I think it is. It's Conte knowing that our best, our best chance of doing something is if Hummingson is fit and firing and you know ready to go. Son is one of our best players, and I, I just think he is doggedly just trying to play him into form. Um, that's what he wants to do, and whatever. You know, let Conte do it, and it, it seems to be working. The slowly he's going up through the gears. Son was great again today. Richarlison, I mean, what can I say? What can I say, man? He's looking like a snip at sixty mil at the moment. I didn't think he. I thought he actually started the game. I thought it was guff at the start of the game. I did, and I, I was readying my takes um, after fifteen twenty minutes about him maybe being an impact player and blah, blah, blah. Just took him a bit of time. I, you know, I don't believe we've played him up on the right. Maybe we have. Yeah, I think we have, actually. We've taken him off of Kulisevsky before, haven't we? Yeah. But he, you know, we did it in the last game. But he was great today. Him, the understanding that he was starting to forge with Son and Kane is exactly what you want to see. It's like, you know, 
we've got Richarlison and Kulisevsky, two players of such a calibre that they've come in and actually added more to the Son and Kane partnership. That's the level that both of them are at, right? Because we've seen other players coming along and, and not really do it. Llorente, I would probably say, is one of the players that's come closest to doing it. A seasoned pro, a World Cup winner, a Champions League pretty much ever-present for the majority of his career, came along and looked all right with Son and Kane. Um, but Son and Kane have always been kind of like those two lads that sit at the back of the bus who aren't openly hostile. They just kind of know they're kind of cooler, <laughs> better than everyone else, right? Um, and it's hard to kind of break break into that. But in Richarlison and in Kulisevsky, we've got two players who have done that immediately, who have added more, who are trusted. That's the important thing. You can see they are trusted by Son and Kane. Both Son and Kane know that Richarlison and Kulisevsky are of a quality that they can they can do stuff to benefit the team. They can unlock the opposition. They can create opposite they can create chances for Son and Kane for themselves. And Richarlison did just that. It was it's pretty annoying that his goal got chalked off. Um I you know, I'm I'll talk about it now. Charlie Eccleshare was talking about it on the top, on the View from the Lane podcast the athletics podcast and i'm i i feel this way i haven't really wanted to bang on about it because i'm i'm not worried about it sounding your dar i've just sort of thought it's here so what's the point of complaining about it but i think we've seen enough of var now to know that personally i think i think the sample size is big enough to say it takes away from football more than it gives to it of course it gives some stuff to it we owe some great nights to it we owe that champions league quarter-final against Manchester City to VAR. I'm sure there's plenty of other things that we owe to VAR as well that I can't think of right now. But it takes away, especially especially for the match-going fan, especially when you're there, it's shit. The worst part about it, we saw this in the Everton-Liverpool game earlier, the worst part for me is the video-assisted offsides. Bin those immediately. Bin them immediately. I'm sorry, it's worked for... It's worth for a hundred. Yeah, not every lino is going to get everyone spot on. I don't really care. I don't really care. Taking away from the kind of flow of this, the weird kind of technicalities that they count as offsides now, a toe being ahead of somebody's elbow or whatever bullshit, the way they draw the lines, it's nonsense, man. If a linesman at the side of the pitch cannot see clearly right an issue nine times out of ten there isn't an advantage then you know so this kind of idea that it's unfair oh actually what what it's doing now is 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 making football fair it's not it's just depriving goals it's taking away from the match going experience i'll be honest when i watch football now when i watch football i don't unless the thing is unless i've had a few drinks Oh, I'm odd. I I don't really lose myself to it anymore. I always have that thing where I'm I feel guarded celebrating goals. I just feel guarded celebrating any type of goal because I'm always thinking, oh, maybe we're going to see something or other. There's going to be some little issue somewhere, or there's going to be a a toe offside, or and I just think VAR takes away from that. Uh, I think Richarlis. It was a goal. All right, Keynes, I get it. Keynes was offside, but the lino flagged that straight away. F- 
fine. He saw that that was offside. Richarlison's fucking offside, man. Come on. This is ridiculous. We saw it was similar again. We saw that with um, we saw that with Everton's against Liverpool earlier on. If you if you saw it, yeah, all right. You've got this stupid, ridiculous, minute, sterile call that it can be offside, but it isn't offside. It's not clear and obvious, and that's what we were told all along that it was going to be. And it's just gotten so warped now. And the thing is, I don't even buy that they're all consistent. And it does make me feel a bit tinfoil. You know, we saw that. Remember our goal? I can't remember. There was one a couple of weeks. Last season, Kane had one rolled out for offside. And then Manchester United, that same afternoon in the evening kickoff, had a pretty much picture-perfect uh, exact kind of thing with Cavani that got called onside. And you can look at the two pictures and they just, they don't look, they don't look different at all. But whatever, I mean... That's that's me going a bit kind of, you know, swivel-eyed and stuff. To bring it back to a more kind of place of reality and not on conspiracy, I just think VAR takes too much away from the game. Football is, it's a... Look, it's it's about passion. It's about kind of excitement. It's about living in the moment. It's about being able to lose yourself to that. And yeah, there's going to be wrong decisions at times, but that we've always learned to deal with that. That always has been. And I, I honestly feel even some of the shittest decisions we've had go against us. I feel that that doesn't take away from my enjoyment of football as much as seeing kind of goals chalked off in this robotic fashion does. Bin it. Get rid of it. I don't know if they ever will. I don't know if it's, you know... This is sort of veering back, in, back into conspiracy, but people talk about the money that's involved in football nowadays, that sort of thing. That's the reason why they're never going to take away VAR. Please just get rid of it. Or just look at the implementation at least. These fucking offsides are awful. They're terrible. If you need VAR for because somebody's nutted a player, headbutted, I should say now. I know that there's different meaning to that sometimes nowadays. I beg your pardon. Um, for players headbutted another player off the ball behind the referee's back or whatever, yeah, great. Call the ref to the screen. Show him that he can send that player off. Fine, no objection to that. That's a smart use of something like VAR, right? Taking four or five minutes against West Ham the other day to see if we've actually got a penalty or not for a handball. Fuck off, man. The referee said it's a handball penalty. Just give it us. That's the way it kind of goes. We'll have some of those go against us at some point as well. It all evens itself out. For anybody that says it doesn't, it does. It always did and it always will. Get rid of VAR. It's shit. Harry Kane. Good goal. Good man. He's on his way to hashtag HK35, as Ricky said. Wasn't a vintage Harry Kane performance, but, you know... If Harry Kane's up top getting goals, so you want from him, really, isn't it? That's the main thing ultimately that you want from Harry Kane. That our that the opposition are getting so distracted now with Richarlison, Son, Kulusevski, whoever, they're almost forgetting about Harry Kane. Everyone's worried about Erling Haaland, and yeah, probably rightfully so. But let them, you know, let them be. Harry Kane is going to score a lot of goals for Tottenham. He always will do for as long as he's playing for us. He started off this season in fine form and he's banging them in. Let's see when he's properly up and firing, right? We know Kane starts slow. 
We know he always starts slow. Kane starting slow now is Kane scoring goals as well. That's That's got to be a worry for anybody. That's got to be a worry for anybody. And Kane sat at the top of of this attacking unit. You know, sky's the limit for Tottenham. It's another three points at the end of the day. It's another three points. It's a game that everybody said was going to be tricky. It's a game that I thought was going to be tricky. But we've come away from it. We are now sitting... If, if Arsenal lose to Manchester United tomorrow, they're one point ahead of us. You know, that's for for all their brilliant start to the season. It has been, you know, it has been good. Let's not let's not sort of piss on that too much. But we're second. We're joint second in the in the in the table now. Um, City are playing. I think they're playing Villa right now. As I record this, if they draw that. We're on level points with City. Um, exactly the same kind of game. I mean, they're probably going to win, aren't they? But you know. Four wins, two draws, zero losses, 12, four, 12 goals. You know, goal difference of seven. It's looking pretty rosy for Tottenham. So let's just keep the faith. Um, I've been getting quite a few DMs from people at the moment, and I really appreciate it. Thank you very much for letting me know that you are enjoying the show. I did start doing these solo pods this year, and I was sort of thinking, oh, God. How is this going to go? I don't know. I just I sort of got the feeling that like I just quite fancy doing this, you know, to react to games, get the sort of stuff that's in my head out there and then still continue to sort of, you know, find good guests, have good conversations with people on the Monday. I don't don't want to make it all about me. I'm not fucking be- going to become a YouTuber or something like that. Although, you know, let's never, let's never say never, shall we? Uh, <laughs> but, you know, thank you. I'm glad that everybody who is enjoying this is, you know, uh, well is doing so um please if you are enjoying it i know i keep saying this but it really does help it helps to bring in new listeners if you can you know on spotify through the client through the sort of you know the whatever it's the app just rate it do the same on apple podcasts leave a rating leave a review Share the podcast if that's retweeting it or just letting other you know other, some people let me know. Oh, I sent this to sent this to my dad. You know, um, lad called lad called Ollie. You know, he's just telling me. Oh, I sent it to my dad. Sent it to my brother. Everyone loves it. Nice one. Cheers, mate. Thank you, Ollie. You know, it doesn't all have to be. It's not all just about numbers and all that sort of stuff. It's it's just a good way of talking to people. I hope you enjoyed the pod the other day when I was getting other people sending voice notes. I might do might do more of that. If uh, if you fancy sending in voice notes and stuff, let me think of a way. Maybe I'll try and find one of the old emails or something like that. can get people to send in sort of some voice notes. I'll, I'll leave a prompt maybe at the end of episodes about stuff that we can potentially talk about. Maybe I'll do one each month or something like that. Um, nice way to get everybody involved. In that sort of a way, uh, make it a bit more of a two-way street. But yeah, thank you for listening. Thanks for leaving your reviews, for giving me all the positive affirmations that my ego requires. Uh, really do appreciate it. Um, and like I say, if you can, if you can, it's hard times out there. But if you can support the show, that would be much appreciated as well. There's a link in the bio on Twitter. One of those like buy me a coffee websites. Nothing's getting paywalled. All the content you're getting right now, you're gonna get it. I'm, I'm not I'm not doing it out. I'm not firing fucking shots at anybody that does do paywalls. I'm just saying I'm not doing it. I'm gonna keep giving you this content if you like it. Yep, and you can do so. You know, you can just support the show a little bit, and that means I can put money towards. Like I say, 
Towards the software that I use to record the show, I can make it a professional edition. It means I can do more ambitious stuff. It means the sound quality will be better. I can get better microphones so when I'm going out and about and doing stuff. I have spent money already on microphones, blah, 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 whatever. It's my hobby, but if you do enjoy it, that's great. If you can support, fantastic. If you can't, I appreciate it anyway. Don't worry. Times are hard. I hope everybody is good. Come on, you Spurs. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.